Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is someone who could break any spell with his acts of bravery, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I am good. How are you doing, Andy? I am doing swell. Hey, uh, what movie are we talking about today? Oh no, did you not prepare? Uh, We're doing 1959's (laughs) The Shaggy Dog. It's part of the shtick, Larry. Uh, oh, 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 sorry. I, You convinced me that you really didn't know. No, I really do. In fact, I well, know that you have some key facts for us about the Shaggy Dog. Uh, why, indeed, I do. Uh, some key facts to set the stage here. Uh, the Shaggy Dog is loosely based on The Hound of Florence, which is a Felix Salton novel published in 1923 and translated into English in 1930. Now, our podcast listeners will recognize Felix Salton as the author of the book Bambi, A Life in the Woods, which Disney uh, adapted into the famous animated feature. So Disney historian Leonard Malton makes the claim that while The Shaggy Dog is a low-budget comedy, it's an important film in the chronology of Disney's output. And first, it is Disney's first live-action comedy. And second, it's his first film starring Fred McMurray, who goes on to make a number of Disney features. And finally, the incredible success of the picture, it grosses $8 million in 1959. It's the second highest grossing movie of that year and much more profitable than the top grosser, which has been her, because the movie shot for under a million dollars. Um. It makes live action comedies part of the Disney production palette for many years to come. So after the success of the Shaggy Dog, Walt Disney revealed that the story was being considered for a television series, which explains sort of the TV sitcom quality of the film. It explains so much, Andy, because I have some serious things like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But if the goal is to set up a TV series, I think a number of elements fall uh, come into sharp relief when we do that. Right. Right. Um, TV's not movies and movies aren't TV. They are not. So though panned by the critics, this movie brought in millions of families throughout the country into the into the movie theaters. And uh, Disney production realized that the combination of situation comedy and fantasy was really an important uh, strategy for their storytelling that follows. Uh, One element, and it's borrowed and repeated in other Disney movies, are running gags involving police officers as sure crowd pleasers. Yep, for sure. We've seen that in a few of these at this point. Um, Oh, yeah. But... But Herbie, I, I mean, the, the Freaky Herbie movie, Friday, the absent, absent-minded yeah. professor. Yeah, it's some, always the cops, right? Yes. There is always something funny happening there. So the movie is re-released in 1967 as a double feature with the absent-minded professor. And Disney rolled the dice with the material again in 1976 and made the Shaggy D.A., um, also with the protagonist of Wilby Daniels. And it was an extremely successful film for Disney as well. So the casting for this project was fairly easy. The Disney filmmaking team had worked with all of the players before, except McMurray. And of course, he's a comedy pro. Uh, But it took several months to find just the right sheepdog. And apparently, uh, the writers had to write dialogue based on the mouth movements of the dog that they shot, 
which I think would be extremely difficult. I've had to do that on projects myself, Andy. There was an animated thing that I worked on where the mouth movements uh, were already set in the animation and they were looking to rewrite dialogue. It is hard. Um, I can't imagine. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So are you ready to dive into plot with me, Andy? I am ready. Ready, willing, and able. I want to say this before we talk about plot. The performances in this movie are so great. There's a lot of really good stuff. But when I'm looking at the plot, I am baffled. It very much feels to me like I'm looking at three or four separate drafts of a movie that have been combined into one film. And I think this is going to be very clear when we talk about the Manish Tana for this movie. Uh, This movie begins, uh, you know, after the cute little song about the shaggy dog, this movie begins in a place. And Andy, can you describe how this movie begins? Because... well, it looks like the set of like Leave It to Beaver or mm-hmm. Father Knows Best or Ozzy and Harriet. And the narrator, of course, tells us this is a shaggy dog story. It right. could have happened anywhere or to anyone. So this is suburbia USA, right? Um, and it's a little bit of a false narration, I think, because the story really happens more to Wilby than to Wilson. But the narrator tells us it's about Wilson, right? It does. Oh, by by the way, just real quick, the narrator's voice uh, belongs to Paul Fries, and he's the same actor who later plays the psychiatrist in this movie. But he also voices the ghost host at the Disney, uh, at the Haunted Mansion. Oh, nice at Disneyland. Yeah, and he's also the pirate ghost voice uh, of Dead Men Tell No Tales. Oh, that's fantastic! And Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And equally as memorable, this is a suburban home. <laughs> All three equally <laughs> memorable lines from equally memorable properties. Well, right. Sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but my con- my concern here with the Manish tonight is we get this opening sequence, and you're right. It really does position this as we're here to meet Wilson, the dad of the household, a mm-hmm. retired mailman. I get the sense that he's retired, uh, who has a problem with dogs. Uh, And, but what happens in this opening sequence is his sons, specifically Wilby, assisted by Mooch, are having a situation in the basement. Wilby has created a rocket, and that rocket is about to go off. They have to clear the house. The rocket does go off and goes through the roof. And that opens up the movie. Mm-hmm. Andy. Yes, Larry. This opens up a movie that is, in theory, about a young mad scientist in his suburban household. Right. I am expecting inventions in this movie. I am expecting mad science in this movie. I could see him mm-hmm. building a robot. I could see mm-hmm. all sorts yeah. of things. I see a rocket go off at the start of this movie, and I think that the fact that he can build a model rocket surely 
must be an important part of this character and come back in a satisfying way to get us mm -hmm. to the conclusion. Andy, none of this matters. <laughs> well, it, some of it matters. I mean, we, we, we need to see Wilson hating dogs. Sure. Right? And, and he hates them because he was a mailman and we get the allergic reaction bit set up, right? And and really more important than the rocket itself, I think we need to see this epic conflict between father and son. Because this little bit here, and fairly quickly, within about four minutes, sets up Wilby and Moochie as boys who cry wolf later in the story, right? And understandably, like if your two sons launch a rocket through your roof, it makes the Fred McMurray character kind of more understandable. But and when Wilson say, well, well, wait, and when Wilson like saves the coffee pot and and he makes sure Wilby ends up outside, right? Like we know he loves his kid, and we also know this is going to be a comedy. Sure, but I agree with you. I agree with you. Like it sets up expectations that it doesn't necessarily deliver on. Why not have it be? That the teenage boy, boy and his younger brother have snuck a dog into the house. And they're trying, like, and that's the antic comical thing that happens. And he, and we find out dad has like this almost supernatural sense that there's a dog in the house without any clues, mm -hmm. like becomes like this amazing detective. Like it, he becomes the Terminator. There is a dog in the vicinity. He is hunting it down. He is kicking it out. And he's like, boys, because the movie I know from the title is a shaggy dog movie. I know from the right. narrator is a shaggy dog movie. Why this rocket? Why all... Uh, I've got so much about this. Okay. Well, and this movie is sort of about... It, it takes place in the space age too, right? Space race is happening. And so, I mean, one of the themes of this movie, and we'll get into this a little later, is the Cold War. And I don't know if there's this sort of like, oh, kids will like this, you know, or it'll be neat to see this kind of thing versus like the why. But this is like, a, it doesn't. It, this it's is, cool, but it doesn't really serve the story. It's a great opening for an absent minded uh -huh. professor sequel. Oh, you, yeah. Or, or yeah, prequel sure. where we see the young yeah. absent minded professor blow up his house. It It's just it's the. Wrong opening for this, which leads me to believe it's from a prior draft of the movie in which that rocket was going to pay off. His engineering skills were going to pay off in some way. And uh, it just got left in because maybe because they'd shot it uh, and blowing up a house is not something you just throw away on the editing room floor. Or, or Yeah, especially with that budget, right? <laughs> I just I, I don't get it. So, yeah. All right. We move forward. Uh, we move forward to we learn about this family and we actually I got a little confused because I did think they set this up that the dad was going to be the protagonist. And I went into this movie blind. So I was thinking Fred Mc, and Fred McMurray was was the lead in this. But it becomes mm -hmm. pretty quick that Tommy Kirk, uh, who plays Wilby is the lead of this. We see we see his life a little we see his life a little bit. Dad is mad that um that they blew up the house understandably. Uh tells him he has to dismantle his lab in the basement and will be agrees and doesn't protest mm -hmm. and then tells him he needs to get rid of all of the animals that are downstairs and I think to myself, "Oh, 
all of these animals downstairs, that must also be an important part of this story. It is not. It is not. Although I have a theory about the animals, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, we, we have, uh, and we see that Wilby has another issue. There's a girl next door neighbor that he likes and his best friend Buzz is going to be the one to take him out, take her out on dates when really Wilby is the one who wants to take her out on dates and Buzz owes Wilby money. And this particularly rankles Wilby because the reason Wilby can't afford to take her out on a date is Buzz borrowed the money from him and is taking her out on a date. So we get a sense that his relationship with Buzz is complicated and not healthy, and that this is going to be the story of, you know, how, like, like a little love triangle, like, will Willby get this girl away from Buzz? Right. What's our inciting incident, Andy? I, there are a couple of contenders here. So, well, I mean, first of all, there's a lot of it, like you said, a lot of exposition, and it's done really quickly. Like, I was kind of watching the clock, and and in four minutes, you know everything you need to know about this family. In the next three minutes, you see that Buzz will be Allison conflict, and we t it takes two minutes to learn about uh, Dr. Andrusy, right? So, we have two, like in the absent-minded professor, we have two storylines emerging at the same time. And all within about 11 minutes. So that's good. Um, so, but you asked about inciting incident. I, I have three possibilities. I think there are three possibilities. I, I mean, I think the stranger comes to town, right? That's yes. a classic, that's a classic inciting incident with, you have Francesca and this broadish Slavian sheepdog chiffon, right? The, since the title of the movie is the shaggy dog, we know something's about to happen, but it's really anybody's guess as to what, Right. The museum, another possibility, is where, you know, Wilby knocks over the box of the Borgia jewelry and this ring gets stuck in the cuff of his pants, right? Right. Another possibility is Wilby's alone in the basement, reads the inscription on the ring, and starts turning into a sheepdog. Um, it kind of depends on how you look at inciting incident, but I'm leaning towards Stranger Comes to Town because if in, if Francesca and Chiffon don't come live in those, this little neighborhood, nothing happens. Yes. And so the problem, the problem here, and we're going to get to this when we get to rising action, is it is impossible for me to pinpoint which of these things is the inciting incident. Because the way, one of the ways we know the inciting incident is at the end of the movie, we're able to say, Oh, this is the thing that got all sewn up at the end. It's the problem right. that got solved. And, you know, when, so while I'm watching the movie, Francesca moves in, and I'm in that moment, I feel like that's our inciting incident. That's the thing that hasn't changed and disrupted the lives of these boys, and, and, the, and, and their love triangle has become a love square. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> but in right. fact, that does not propel the movie forward in any significant way. What actually propels the movie forward is, of course, that Wilby gets this ring and starts merging periodically with Francesca's dog in a very weird shape. The shape shifting rules for this movie are very weird. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. He gets connected to her dog specifically. 
There's a bunch of other animals in his lab. I even think the last one he held, they make a big point out of this turtle that like he, they've gotten rid of most of the animals, but they can't find a home for the turtle. Do not expect, viewer, to ever find a home for that turtle. That plot point disappears, as does the turtle. Um, right. <laughs> and right. I don't really... So here is the tricky part of this. This is a Shaggy Dog movie. My money is also going to be on the ring transforming him. Mm-hmm. Except... It's just a thing that happens to him that he needs to react to and deal with. Whereas Francesca showing up arguably shows that his goals have shifted, that his wants have shifted, that he that she she is more the objective of this movie than curing himself of the dog situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Theory. No doubt. Andy. Yes. The reason okay. all of those animals were in the basement is in a prior draft, there was no magic ring. That he was doing some sort of experiment down there in the basement with the animals, and he ended up turning himself into a dog. Like he drank some sort of formula, something splashed on him, and there was no magic element to it. It's the only reason I can think of that there was a lab in the first place. Right. And I think I think that's I think that's wise. I mean, there is a moment where Moochie holds up these two um, glass bottles and says, I sold these for a dollar for you. Right. Right. So it's like what? Yeah, I I, I felt like Wilby was going to drink from those or he was going to do something. He must have needed to get those bottles back. So Moochie sells the chemicals. And now in order to reverse the curse, he needs to get the chemicals back. Right. And and that sort of thing. Again, I see this other movie intersecting with this movie, which is now about a magic ring and not about science at all. Right. It's more. Yeah. I mean. And, 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 you know, we have the moment where we go to Professor Plumcut, right? And, um, yeah, like, so I have a question for you yes. about the, all of this. We get this sort of mini lecture from Plumcut, right? Mm-hmm. Um, about shape-shifting and how it works. Do we see him again after that? I think there's a scene where Wilby goes to Plumcut to learn how to break the spell, well, he does. He does do that. And Professor okay. Plumcut says, why didn't I think of it at first? An act of bravery will undo the shape-shifting. He does, right, 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 he does right. say that. Oh, so that does happen. There are two okay. meetings with Professor Plumcut. The first one in okay, the museum where he gets the ring, and then the second one where he comes back as a dog. Professor Plumcut is not supr- like like a little surprised to see that he's a dog, but it makes perfect sense to him and says, right. hey, an act of bravery will undo this curse. By the way, he also sets up some rules that like maybe you'll be a dog forever. Maybe you'll change back and forth between being a dog and a boy. He doesn't really have all of the answers. I, I want but to talk- blink and you miss it, right? And and basically, it's like what what Professor Plumcut says is here. Listen, stuff is going to happen. There are rules. I'm not really going to tell you. So it's really just convenient. Like whenever the story dictates that he needs to turn into a dog, he will. And whenever he needs to turn into a boy, he will. I don't know why. You don't know why. But there's a reason. I want to talk more about Professor Plumcut when we get back to him. I have a theory about him uh, as a character later on. Let's try to get through the rising action here. 
If we can. <laughs> if we can, because this is, I, I, I find this hard to follow. So, Wilby does need to reverse this curse. He also allows himself to be involved in this love triangle thing, um, even though he likes both Allison and Francesca. Buzz is more successful with both Allison and Francesca. Buzz is going to uh, a dance with both girls, and he ropes Will. He asks Wilby. You know, will you be the fourth person on my double date so neither girl finds out I'm dating the other girl? And Wilby says, even though it like we get the sense like this is the worst possible thing, it, it does not get him what he wants. He says yes. Although what he should say is no. I have this problem. I keep turning into a dog. The last thing I need is to be in a situation where I'm helping you try to get with the two girls who I also like. But he, but okay. Yeah, he seems to have no reservations about any of the, it's like his, his want to be, and maybe that's just how, you know, how it is, but like his want to be with this girl, it's like, it supersedes that sheepdog thing. And so, you know, as the movie as a mild inconvenience, right? Is going nowhere. And it's going nowhere fast. <laughs> As the dog, and let's let's keep in mind the shape shifting here is not that Wilby turns into a shaggy dog. It is that periodically he merges with Francesca's shaggy dog pet shaggy right. dog. So while he's in the house as the shaggy dog, he overhears the conversation from her father talking with some spies that in fact, the whole reason they are there is to steal missile information away from a nearby army base and military installation and bring it back to some other country. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. It's Cold War. We know what country it is, but um, I don't think they ever specifically say. Um, right. And so then he's like, oh, no, we have to stop the military from stopping the missile. Now, complicating this is that he's a dog who can talk, and Moochie would rather his brother continue to be a dog. That's what he's rooting for. Dad yeah. has shot at this dog <laughs> for being in the house, has gotten his shotgun and fired, sprayed bullets all over the neighborhood, trying to kill their neighbor's dog, which... Mm -hmm. <laughs> lovable quirk i guess andy i know i know how you love dog killers um not a fan wilby decides that the way to stop this is to convince his dad that this happens so he reveals to his dad that he's a dog the dad goes to the military base where they think he's crazy but that also that maybe he does know something and he's just so crazy he's forgotten the reason why he actually knows about the missile stuff I, I got so lost here. And then there's a chase scene in which the spies are running away to steal, have stolen, have the materials, are going to get the material. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is the, is this the climax of the movie? Like the chase scene? Well, well, backing up just a little bit. So I think this movie does try to be in, uh, in three acts. 
I think it does attempt to at least edit what they've got into a three act structure. Agreed. Um, because at the end of Act One, Wilby goes to bed as chiffon, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the and and the beginning of Act Two, there's this this the, we redo that idyllic sort of wake up scene, uh, the one we you know was disrupted by a rocket. Now we have a son turning into a sheepdog hiding from his father, so it's disrupted again. And the dramatic question is, will Wilby be able to change back into a human? Right. Right. At the end of Act Two, well, so the midpoint is that that country club dance, Wilby starts to turn into a dog again, and no one seems to notice save Moochie, right? Which also, um, well, we have to give that to them. It strains credibility, but it's the movie. It is what it is. Right, right, right. I mean, nobody knows, but it's it's funny. And yes. I mean, it it's is a comedy funny, set piece. Right? We're not supposed to take that too seriously. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and then at the end of Act Two, we have this brand new dramatic question because it's will will be in the Daniels family be able to thwart the spies and convince the government of, you know, Andrews and the spies plot in time. Right. So that there's that. And then act three literally begins with a ticking clock. Right. You've got, you've got Wilson who's sitting with a psychiatrist, um, I think the filmmakers are really concerned about that clock because one of the spies makes a comment as they get into the car, travel at a normal speed so as not to attract attention, right? So if our heroes drive fast, they're going to catch up. I I mean, right, okay. The last thing I need to worry about is the speed of the cars for this movie. Right, 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 right. Like, that's the thing we're going to ground in realism. A dog is going to drive one of these cars. (laughs) Right, right. But I I get this feeling like the the whole museum piece of it was sort of an afterthought. Yes. And plugged in. Um I get the feeling cuz we never even mention really the ring again. No, we don't get Nothing nothing's really mentioned. It's sort of there and then we have that and then the plum cut and that's it. No, I want to get but back what, to identifying the climax and the falling action, because what you're talking about is actually the falling action of this all. The climax is... My my thought, well, just real quick, my thought is that, just now, is that if there is a uh, chemistry set in the basement and kids are drinking from it, that somebody went, hey, oh, we can't have kids drinking from a chemistry set. We need to change this up. What are we going to do? What can kids not get a hold of? A magic sure. Thing. Okay. Imitatable. Because in 1959, you could buy a chemistry set for kids that is scary. Like, it's got hydrochloric acid in it. Yep. It's got all kinds of crazy stuff yep. in it, right? Yeah. And so then they threw so, the museum and the magic part onto it. I, yeah, I would believe yeah. it. But, As a patch. But the whole, the, the whole thing of this is just so... All right. I got to do this. So climax. I think the climax is the chase sequence. It's the moment in which we're concerned that the forces of evil might beat the forces of good. Although I actually think the real climax of this movie is not that. I think it's the confrontation between Wilby and Buzz where yes. where Buzz is going to take try to take all the credit for saving Francesca, but it was actually mm-hmm. Wilby as the dog who saved Francesca, and the two boys start fighting. At which point, Wilby and the dog split up, and Francesca recognizes her dog as the hero, 
not either of these boys. Right. Chiffon gets the credit for saving her, right? But the real um, climax of this movie should be, which of these boys is she going to choose? Yes. That really is the question of the movie. And I guess it's progressive that she doesn't choose either of them. Right, right. I think it's kind of cool, actually. And then we have a, you know, uh, Will, again, with our dramatic questions, is Will be going to be able to change back into a human? Yes, because he's he's done an act of bravery, right? Except, um, except I don't know that the curse is actually broken. Because when Professor no. Plumcut said, I think an act of bravery will do the trick, but he doesn't right. know. And so, yes. Wilby has done an act of bravery. Sure. Right. But like I no one ever says the curse is broken. There's never a moment where he feels himself like what he's never able to identify a trigger that transforms him into a dog. So for all we right. know, the curse is still active by the end of the movie. There is no satisfying resolution to the curse. If the ring shattered into a million pieces, maybe that would indicate that the curse was broken. There are ways to right. do it that let the audience know he's never going to turn into a dog again. And now that you've told me that this was meant to lead to a TV series, I don't right. think the curse was broken. Nope. I, I think they're purposely not resolving it because they want us to like have like, oh, for the movie, it's done. But then the TV series starts and he goes, it happened again. So we don't, we don't. Right. As if they couldn't launch the series separate from the movie, which maybe, you right. know, knowing Walt, he really did care about continuity in that way. The idea of, of telling a parallel story may not have appealed to him. No, not at all. And I think that if you look at this movie as three separate episodes. Yes. You know, I think it works. But I'm so mad about the falling action. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. And oh, friend. Same. Okay. Do, do, same. Do you want me to rant? Or, or do you, I mean, you... I can I can rant. I can rant first. I mean, there first there's a photo shoot, right? Um, we, well, we get the spinning, the spinning newspaper headlines that tell us what's going on. And we get this photo shoot. We know that Fred McMurray or that Wilson... Uh, the Wilson character knows that his son is a dog because he said so several times. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment in the photo shoot where he says, tell your son to come over here. And here comes will be over. And he's like, no, you're younger, your other son. Right. And Wilson never says, never takes that opportunity to repair what's going on with will be. So that's number one is we were set up to believe this is about the fraught relationship between a father and son. Mm -hmm. And in a movie, that relationship needs to be repaired because that's, right. that is the generational disconnect. And it doesn't, it doesn't even get addressed. I'm, no. I'm with you. I'm with you. No. So there's one. And then Wilson says, we've got a dog, right? And so then we send, we'll be outside with Buzz. Um, and by the way, I always want to say Woody and Buzz because instead of Wilby and Buzz. Yes, of course you do. Kind of makes me wonder um, if if somebody got that from there. But anyway, uh, Francesca goes back to Paris. We do not see this. She goes off to at Paris all. off screen. We yeah. never get even like a little moment where she says to Wilby, you were the one I really liked. Nothing. 
nothing. He risked Will his life for gets, her. He doesn't even nothing. get a kiss yeah. on the cheek. He gets a dog. Yeah. And by the way, I don't believe that she'd dog. give up that dog. She loves that dog. Exactly. Yes. So it's strange, like all around, not satisfying at all. And and then that big dramatic question remains. Will Will be continue to turn into a dog? Is the spell truly broken? And he doesn't seem the least bit concerned about this possibility. I would be checking my body every day for fur. <laughs> Multiple times a day. The trauma of this event would haunt me for the rest of my life. You'd start carrying a compact. You'd check it while you were on a date with Alice, right? I mean, yes, that's just how this is okay so they're, they're he, just here is the thing i want to add to the rant on this okay all right why did Wilby go through any of this <laughs> why usually in a movie even if something happens to you by accident and i'm gonna say that ring falling into hit the cuff of his pants doesn't really feel like an accident to me i think it i i has it has the Feeling of like destiny, like maybe the ring wanted to be found by him. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But generally speaking, uh. through his experiences, Wilby needs to be transformed into the sort of person right. who can achieve his goals. If Wilby's problem is that he likes a girl and can't, doesn't have the courage to really ask her out. What we should see is through his magical misadventure, now he can ask a girl out. And mm -hmm. that, more than anything to me, is the thing that needs to happen in this movie. And I understand it's 1959, and maybe, maybe I can't get a kiss, but give me some hand-holding give me give me a, a girl looking at Wilby with a little smile like oh he's so cute give me give him have him ask out a girl and have her say yes that's what if he had I mean what if he'd asked out Allison right and she said yes and she said yes and then here's you know Buzz getting what he deserves right no I, I mean the movie ends viewer with Allison saying she doesn't want either of these boys. Francesca doesn't want either of these boys. And and they're both they're both like want, Wilby gets nothing. He gets no recognition for being a hero. He does not get the girl. Uh everybody right. else gets the credit but 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 him. And and, and we don't get the sense that he's Marty, right? <laughs> he gets he gets nothing. And I'm so mad because even if he doesn't get a visible reward, he deserves something. He has been through an experience and he risked his life in a heroic fashion to save the girl. Movie, give him something. <laughs> right. This is and like yeah, if at I mean, Aladdin yeah. at the end, Jasmine was like, Listen, I really do need to marry a prince, though. And Aladdin's like, I guess it's back to the streets for Agrabah with me. And that and the, <laughs> right. the end. I don't want right. that. Right, right. And while this movie is entertaining to watch, again, you have to, it's more entertaining if we if you just look at it as three episodes. It is. Unfortunately, this movie just doesn't hold up under analysis. 
And like, that's what's making me crazy. I liked a lot of this while I was watching it. But once, once I start treating the movie holistically, where I'm trying to make sense of the whole thing and say, wow, this really came together. This did not. And I'm mad. I would even settle for Andy in the last shot. He and Buzz are walking away and we see a dog tail sticking out of Wilby because he's about to transform again. I would even take that button at the end of the movie, which would then promise us that Wilby's adventures aren't over. And so that maybe there's more to his journey. Maybe he'll be reunited with Francesca in a sequel, uh, but his story is not over yet. But I don't even Mm. get that. I don't, I don't even get the sense that he he has fixed his friendship with Buzz. Because I think Buzz is about to ask him for more money and Wilby's going to give it to him. Right, right, right. Yeah, nothing. He hasn't learned anything. And so he's not transformed. If he's the protagonist, he's not transformed. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. I mean, maybe we should but, just move to characters now. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Wilby. Um, I like the, the one him. thing he's... I do too. I, I love Tommy Kirk. And and the thing he says is, I always, regarding his father, is I always seem to rub him the wrong way. Yeah. And he says it in the very beginning, it's set up and it's never paid off because he never stops rubbing his dad the wrong way. And this is a he never He never gets what he wants. He Like you said, he never gets the girl. He never gets his father's affection. And while the movie's funny, like it's sad. This is a movie that posits, uh, and this is, very much the leave it to beaver of it all that you referenced, that there is nothing as unconditional as a boy's love and respect for his father. Even if your father shoots at dogs and really does not deserve your respect. Right? This movie posits that both both Wilby and Buzz look at Wilson at all times as if he is their hero and the person they want to be, and that his approval means everything to both yeah, of them. Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is, Wilby as a kid is delightful. He's a sweet boy. He's respectful to his father. We don't even have the scene. When, when his father says to Wilby, give up your lab in the basement, no more building rockets in the house, get rid of all of those animals. Wilby's response is, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And there's no, man, dad doesn't understand me. It, the, the real implication here is, if dad recognizes that what I'm doing down there is wrong, it must be wrong because dad's will is inarguably correct. Mm -hmm. And, Make a meal of that. Wilby is so much cuter than Buzz. I think I think the actor playing Buzz does a great job in this movie. Mm-hmm. But he deserves to get one of the girls. Like he he comes at you know like like he comes at it. Look, they're both fickle boys, and and they're both very clearly motivated by how pretty the girls are. I right. I get that. I get that. But. But Wilby is way more respectful of the girls than Buzz is. He doesn't try oh, to lie yeah. to them, and he doesn't try to manipulate them, and he's intimidated by them to the point where you know if he went on a date with them, he would respect the heck out of them because he would be so over the moon to get affection from them. 
that well jumping down to buzz real quick yeah um i you know like buzz the relationship between buzz and Wilby reminds me of like eddie haskell and wally yes and leave it to beaver you know this is eddie haskell goes a courting right he lies to benefit himself um and again like buzz is almost somebody that that he looks up to because he's so detached from his father so there is this, and like you said, there's a meal to be made here, but it just, it never happens. I'm going to throw something out to you. It just never happens. Buzz, sure. Buzz really is a ladies' man. He really is oh good God. at charming the girls. I never get the sense that they, there are moments where they see through him as a braggart, as a liar, or as someone someone who is not truthful to them. And he smiles at them and he says something and you watch them relent and give him chance after chance after chance. And the truth of the matter is Buzz really is good at girls, good with girls. And he does have something to teach Wilby about confidence and right. and and charm. Sure. The two of them together would make one really good boyfriend. They, they, they are good foils for one another. The, the real issue yeah. is I don't think Buzz ever gets his comeuppance in this movie. He gets into a fight with Wilby at the end, but because not Wilby doesn't get the girl, like Buzz is no worse mm-hmm. off. For Buzz got closer. Buzz got closer to getting the girls than Wilby did. Wilby d- Buzz might not have won, but Wilby lost worse than Buzz did in all of this yeah. interaction. Yeah, because you get the feeling that Buzz is just going to find another girl, right? Next week. I mean, maybe he's tomorrow. He's good at this. <laughs> yeah. Wilby is like back he's... to square one. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it feels like, I mean, again, it feels like Spin and Marty. I don't know if you're familiar with that series, that Disney series, but. I'm not. Hugely, pop- hugely popular in the 1950s. We had to probably take a look at it at some point. But it feels like Spin and Marty are growing up a little bit. And Annette is somebody is now we're looking at as, you know, a grown up girl and not just, you know, this isn't just the Mickey Mouse Club anymore. Sure. Right. So it feels like this movie sort of graduating into teenagerdom. And yeah, this does feel like the ancestor of Xenon. Like the Disney Channel movies we're going to get in the 90s, like like there's an sure. evolution, there's an evolutionary chart. And like this is mm-hmm. the dawn of the teen, the teen movie. I would I would accept sure. that as a premise that for t- sure. It's kind of teenagers, but really kind of tweens are into it. So, yeah, that that feels. And, right and as me. a historical movie in that in that way. Yeah, I, I'll buy that. Yeah. It, I'm, yeah, I will not argue this movie is not important. It is yeah. important. It is an important movie. It is important that we cover it. So Wilson Daniels is Fr- Fred McMurray's character. Um, I think it's interesting, Larry, how he struggles with the same I- mistaken identity that his son has, but he does it without shape shifting. Right. So everybody thinks he's the spy or he's got something going on. Right. Um, when in actuality he doesn't. And, and what's funny, like, Usually, like up until this point, like if I'm watching chronologically Fred McMurray, like I think about him as a dramatic actor, particularly in movies like Double Indemnity um, or I think The Apartment comes later. But still, he he might be a leading man, but there's still 
He can be a bad guy too, right? But with Disney, he really gets to show off these comedic chops that he has. And 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 he, when he protests, when Moochie double crosses him in the, oh, in the psychiatrist's oh, office, Moochie, no. it's hilarious. <laughs> That's fun. Here is fun. the big problem for this movie. Mm-hmm. Dad should be the one turned into the shaggy dog. Yes. Dad hates dogs. So yes. the idea that Maybe Wilby brings home the ring, but dad puts it on and dad starts turning into a dog and he watches his sons try to chase him away from the house because they know dad's going to kill you if you're here. And maybe he gets to know his sons a little better because he has Mm -hmm. to pretend to be their dog and he sees another side of them and he learns to appreciate them in another way. It is inarguably a better movie. His character is directly related to dogs and Wilby's is not. Mm -hmm. And, and what we, what we need to see, we see at the end of the movie is that because his experience with the shaggy dog has made him famous, he's willing to pretend to love a dog because the newspapers are taking his picture. None of that really feels sincere to me. What it really needs to be is he walked a mile in the shoes of a dog and now he gets it in a way in which he's never gotten it before. He can come out the other side a dog lover, but also someone who's closer to his kids. It is it is so evident that this yes. is the movie they should have made. And Fred McMurray would be hysterical as someone who finds himself turning into dogs, which is not to say I don't like Tommy Kirk, because I do, and I think he does a great job with the material as it's written. But dad having to trust his life to his children because he's a dog, dad having to get to know them, dad having to protect them as a dog and realizing what it's like to be man's best friend. That is a Christmas Carol level of transformation that a movie requires. Yeah, I mean, if we don't have that, if we just sort of have this. uh, Yeah. And I wonder, like, as you're talking, like, I'm wondering, because we start out with that narrator. This is a story yes. about Wilson, right? But then it's not a story about Wilson. It is not. Ever. And so he's you closer expect, to the antagonist yeah. than the protagonist. He's not, but he's not even that. Yeah. So there needs to be redemptive love in this, right? In order for this to make... Every once in a while, a movie should have redemptive love. I, I, I you set well, me up, I'll spike it. I see what you did there. <laughs> Let's talk about Frida Daniels, um, played by Jean Hagen, who, by the way, if you've seen uh, Singing in the Rain, she's Lena Lamont. So um, she has an incredible range, which I don't think really gets used in this uh, in this piece, unfortunately. I think she's present there to show the ridiculousness of Wilson. Yes. That's it. I I don't know what it is about Fred McMurray that we see him entering into these loveless relationships that are arguably based on love, where where his female his female counterparts just have to roll their eyes at him and deal with the fact that they're married to Fred McMurray. But yeah. but um, that I I really felt their marriage was not a good one. No, it doesn't feel doesn't feel solid. Doesn't feel rock solid. And she does nothing, unfortunately, other than just be the sort of other than to show that June Cleaver, that she yeah. would let them have a dog, and that it's yes. dad's dad's tyranny that has kept them from having one. 
right? Like she, mm-hmm. she just. I don't get the sense that he like they don't even, when they kiss they air kiss each other in a way yeah. that of course I know it must be like the code of the movie at that time you know if this is gonna be a family movie we can't have but it feels it feels really like affectionless sterile right? yes <laughs> yeah yes we that don't relationship feels I don't want to touch you anymore. Um, I'm glad you read your newspaper at dinner. Every time you talk, it irritates the heck out of me. Um, And hey, maybe make a meal of that. If Fred McMurray is the dog, maybe he can repair his relationship with his wife by seeing how miserable he makes her and like how lonely she must be. Uh, I'm, I'm you so, forget our pitch. This is our pitch right here. I actually had a different pitch than this, but, but well, you, I'll let you pitch. But yeah. this is this is Great. we'll get to it. Um, yeah. Who else do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Moochie. Yeah. Um, Kevin Corcoran. Um, he is he's a little hero. This story. He saves Wilby from his dad. He saves Wilby from embarrassment. Like he really cares about his brother and. And like the way he at the, you know, he basically he saves the day every time he's in. He he solves the problems and saves the day. He's great. And we never get that little moment with the two brothers where Big Brother like sincerely sits down with Moochie and says, thank you for everything you did for me when I was turned into a dog. Right. Thank you for covering. You were a dog. That was you. I mean, it could be very funny. Right. Yeah. Right. But but like just. But just the sense that their relationship, that they've grown closer through, I, they don't have a fraught relationship, I don't think, in this movie. But I do, I do think little brother needs his little recognition from his big brother. That that mm-hmm. you know, like that's we we always want to see like Wally like the Beaver, don't we? Right. And I, I yeah, that they're brothers, but but really, Buzz is not Wilby's best friend. Moochie is the best friend. I just realized, like, as as we're talking and we're referencing things like Leave It to Beaver and um. Some of our listeners may have never seen Leave It to Beaver <laughs> or know anything about that show, which, you know, was, of course, in syndication and reruns and after school when we were probably younger. If, I mean, you, search for, if you search for a 90 second clip of Leave It to Beaver, you will see everything you need to know <laughs> about, show. about that show. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you'll get you'll great. get everything that we're saying. It's not hard to educate yourself about this. You do not need to watch a full episode of it. <laughs> Just make sure it's the early seasons where Beaver is cute. Mm hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. As he gets older, it, it, it definitely jumps the shark. All right. I have a okay. question for you, Andy, about characters. Yes. Okay. Which love interest do you like better, Allison or Francesca? I like Allison. I'm team Allison. And I'm team Francesca. <laughs> Why do you like uh, Allison? I like Allison because she's just, she's a nut. Come on. We like a nut. And that's the girl next door. She is. And I, I think this movie does a disservice to her by suggesting that when Francesca appears on the scene, Francesca, like, who who is Allison? No one, like, like who's that? Let's just throw her away because there's the new girl who comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they do it solely based on, I guess, physical appearance, but... But, you know, is Francesca... But the girls also show that there's no animosity between the two of them. It's not about them. It's about these dudes, Except, right? so. except at the dance yeah. sequence. And, and this never gets resolved either. During during the double date sequence, uh, you know, in order to pull off his B 
big scheme here. Buzz has to keep tricking the girls to dancing with Wilby. But then it looks like the girls actually would rather be dancing with Wilby, that this has backfired on Buzz, and that right. they're competing. And then a third girl gets into the mix, like seeing that these two girls are fighting over Wilby, and she decides, hey, she must want to dance with him also. And I I actually wish the movie did a little bit more with that. I, I, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, Wilby turns into a dog at that point. Yes. So. I, I, I was like, not only was it the worst time for him for him to turn into a dog, for me, I forgot I was watching a dog movie and I got interested in the love triangle of it all. I'm like, oh, we're going back to the dog thing, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. But I like so Francesca fun. better. Okay. Because I find Francesca to be self-possessed in a way where she knows her value. I do feel mm-hmm. like... She's happy to go on dates with boys, but she sees through them uh, a little bit more than Allison does. Like, I think she does okay. see through Buzz, but she wants to go to the dance, and Wilby didn't ask her. So it's fine, right? Uh, I, I yeah. also like her because she loves her dog, and that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that also helps. I, and if you, if you had to make me choose between which two of the two of them I think is cuter, I think Francesca's cuter. I love Annette. Well, I love Annette. No, no. So I think, I think, I think Annette learns, or I think Allison learns a lot from Francesca, right? She learns how to say, tell those boys to flip sand. Yeah. Right. And stop. And they're the neighborhood children. I don't have to put up with this anymore. Right. So that's kind of fun. That is kind, kind of, of fun. A nice payoff for her. It's a great payoff for her and a terrible payoff for the rest of the movie. All right. I need to talk about Professor Plumcut for a second. Oh, please do. All right. So here is my theory, Andy, and this doesn't happen in the movie, but I bet it did in a draft. I don't think the museum has a Professor Plum cut. I don't think they have one on staff, and I don't think he, he, like, really exists. I think he purposely appears in the museum while Buzz is there. To make sure, not not Buzz, well, Wilby is there, to make sure Wilby gets the ring and his purposely sending him on a magical journey. I think Professor Plumcut is Merlin. Ah, I, interesting. I think it's a mysterious stranger gave you a bag of beans sort, sort of feel to it. And for me, like, that's the, that's what I was talking about. Like, there's a sense of destiny that Wilby needs to be transformed into a hero over the course of right. the movie, he's not a hero. He doesn't know how to stand up to his father. He doesn't know how to stand up to his best friend. He doesn't know how to ask out a girl. And so he needs this special magical push, in theory, to learn how to do those things. And that Professor Plumcut should be like winking at the audience. And we should get like that sort of like Santa Claus reveal where someone says, Professor Plumcut. There's no Professor Plumcott working at the museum. We don't have an exhibit about the Borgias. Right? And then yeah. we'll be realizing, yeah. hey, the universe set this up for me uh, in order, be- because I am special, even though everyone has told me that I'm not. I am. So there, so that's awesome. I would get rid of Professor Plumcott altogether, yeah. and I would make Dad a retired librarian. 
and have dad be the one that has the information about the Borgias and this and that. And maybe they find a ring or maybe there's a a bunch of stuff that they're when they're clearing out the basement, they find this old stuff of dad's. And he's like, yeah, it's from a whatever. But like, like I, okay, so I resent movies where somebody comes in to give me information and exposition, but doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Sure. I resent that. Well, so I, I think that's my, because I think again, and it, it really goes back to just being discouraged that the dad and son never reconcile. There's never any, and it could be something, I mean, there could be something there. And he's like, well, dad, I think this could be really great. There, here's a ring. This could be really awesome. And, and the dad's like, oh, it's just an old ring, whatever. And then dad's like with your, with your pitch, dad reads the ring and turns into the dog. And now he gets a whole, whole nother look at life. Yeah. I think it could be awesome. You know why we really don't need Professor Plumcut or the museum is they make a point out of establishing that Allison's father collects antiques that are thousands and hundreds of years old right. all over the house. Will Why do you have to go to a museum when it's right across the street? He could have found the ring there. Also, yeah. Andy, point. it does not make yes. sense for her father to have all of those things in the house. If the plan is to move into a neighborhood <laughs> and then escape that neighborhood under the cover of night two days later, why did he bring all of these items with him if he's not going to take them with him? These things are so valuable! Which yeah, makes me I mean, think let's get her to Paris, right? <laughs> the spy thing was a last minute addition. Midway through production, they must have been like, okay, Francesca's dad is now a spy. They must... They, right. I feel like so much stuff got stitched and Frankensteined together because it doesn't... It, doesn't make sense in that way. Right. Because we have lots of moments where there is just um, the dramatic questions change so much. And so, yeah, like, and the ones we initially start with don't get paid off in a, in a way that's uh, satisfying. No, I agree with you. They just, they, they, they wrote themselves into a movie. They had no idea of how to write themselves out of it. And well, and I think it's I think it's clever. Like if we're talking about um, Dr. Andrusy, right? If I think it's clever that the villains are thwarted by a dog who can do nothing about it. Like here, they're spies and they're talking openly around the dog, and the dogs here. I think that's really a clever device. Um, and they end and then up how does the dog communicate? Right of this premise when they do it with that darn cat. Not the shape-shifting part, but the animal getting in the way of, like, crime and getting us to the clues. Uh, that that sure. cat is is probably built on the foundations that we, the lessons that we learn from watching the Shaggy Dog and is a better version right. of this, what of the crime elements of this movie. Sure, sure. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. There's one more character. He's not on our list, but the movie seems to think he's super important to this movie, Andy. Uh -huh. Officer Hansen, <laughs> who is the police officer that that, you know, accidentally keeps running into the shaggy dog and is supposed to only exist for for like that joke. Like he just keeps seeing it. Mm -hmm. they, they, they do this better in the absent minded professor. There are police officers there, but they're like the end shot is them like thinking like, what did we just see? You know, like 
sort of situation. Right, Except right. this movie takes a weird turn with Officer Hansen and starts to like get into his life, who he married, the other people that he works with on the force, his relationship with his boss. Will he keep his job? Has he lost his mm-hmm. mind? And and what what on earth happened there? Why are we doing that? It's like it's like we're watching like my dinner with Andre and suddenly like we go home with the waiter. Right. And, and and I think, again, I think the explanation is this is supposed to be a character who's in a series that we're supposed to care yes. about in episode nine. But unfortunately, we're in episode three and we're setting something up for the next adventure because now there's all this priceless artwork just sitting across the street in this, you know, who knows what we're doing. But it, there, again, it feels like that officer's character is, is a seed that's being planted for something that... And yeah, he's never, great. Unfortunately, never materialized. Great performance yeah. from him. It's just, yeah. it's just all of a sudden in the third act, the movie seems to think that we really care about this police officer's home life and professional career. And he's supposed to be an under five. He's not supposed yeah, to have more I mean, than five lines in this movie. And like I said, in the beginning of this movie, it's so tight. Yes. Like everything's so tight. And like I looked at, like I said, looked at it by the clock. By the 10 minute mark, we've got it all set up. And here comes Francesca and her and her sheepdog to town, right? But man, like this is, by the end of this, it is just spiraling out of control. Mm. Don't know. Don't know. Just weird. Okay, so protagonist problems. We've hinted at this a little bit already, but, um, you know, I think Wilson is the character with the most growth. Yes. Um, But the movie treats Willoughby like the protagonist, except for at the beginning and the end. I mean, beyond that, beyond that, the movie doesn't understand what a protagonist is. The movie just says Mm -hmm. if something happens to characters... That is enough for them to be a protagonist. And so Wilby is the protagonist because stuff happens to him. Wilson is a secondary protagonist because stuff happens to him. And Officer Hansen becomes the third protagonist in the end of this movie because stuff happens to him also. But it misses the point that is fundamental to a movie. And it, it, kind, of, it kind of complements what we said about The Black Cauldron last week. We watch a character transform over the course of a movie. Right. That is what makes them a protagonist. We don't other characters can't be the ones to transform. The universe can't transform so that the character now makes sense in that universe. The character needs mm-hmm. to learn something from the journey and come out as another person. Simba transforms over the course of The Lion King. He is a great protagonist. Aladdin learns to be himself and not to lie, and that money and power won't make him happy, and he becomes a hero at the end of his movie. That is classic. That is classic storytelling. Mm -hmm. And in this movie... We don't get the sense that will. This is just something that happened to Willby. It could have happened to any of us. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, people <laughs> turn into dogs. This isn't. 
I mean, I think they even set it up that way, which is unfortunate. Yes. Because in the very beginning with the rocket, right? Wilby is going, I don't know. And, and Moochie says, just turn it off. And Wilby's like, I didn't even turn it on. Right. And so life is happening to Wilby. And he doesn't make a whole lot of, he doesn't choose anything except the only, the only real choice I see him making is to save Francesca. I don't know why he wanted to build the rocket in the first place, Andy. What was he trying to do? What are his dreams? What does he want? It seems like there's just like, that was the thing that they use as a device to say like, this is you know, this is going to be a boy who cries wolf. This is a boy who's not to be trusted. And and yet he only acts trustworthy the whole time. And he doesn't. But things happen to him. He doesn't happen to things. Right. And, right. I mean, I mean, that is exactly it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's just a whole lot of. Yeah. But if you're going to make the argument, well, Wilson's the real protagonist and he does grow. He grows from somebody who hates dogs to somebody who who can pretend dog. No, who pretends to love <laughs> dogs because he the, still shows us the little psycho psychosomatic allergic reaction be, that he has right. whenever he thinks about hating dogs. He's faking it for right. the cameras. Um, he actually he has not learned anything. He yeah. should have learned something. Yeah, I'm, and he I doesn't, does he? But, get... he? but yeah, so like that's the, but anyway, he, okay, he tolerates dogs. But like, if you're going to make that argument, we don't see Wilson making, like, acting on his life really either. Arguably, Buzz makes more choices than, and Moochie makes more choices right. than our protagonist does. Right. And that, that is important you know? work also. I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm completely with you. All right, let's talk about themes for just a minute. Um, this is definitely a movie about Cold War conflict, as we mentioned. And it's also about the rise of suburbia in the 1950s. And it shouldn't this be. This is sort of the... No. I mean... What, neither of those things are helpful. Because those are... <laughs> I do think the movie sees these as themes. I think you're you're 100% in identifying them correctly. Um, but those aren't personal. What this nope. movie should have as a theme, and it does not. I mean, let's just say it. The theme of this movie should be puberty, right? Oh, we have sure. yeah. a boy who meets a girl and then metaphorically finds himself transforming into an animal not in control of his own body, not in control of the way his body reacts. She should be the trigger that whenever he gets really excited about her, he turns into a dog. His emerging love for her and affection mm -hmm. for her should be the uncontrollable element that shifts him from dog to boy and boy to dog again. And that right. way you can tie everything together because it's all about her. In order for him to break the curse, he needs to figure out how to reconcile how he feels about her and express it to her. I would love it if the act of bravery so he saves her life but he's still cursed and he comes to right. realize that the act of bravery that he needed was not a life-threatening push her out of the save her from drowning uh defeat the spies kind of bravery but the simple act of bravery of going up to a girl and saying i just think you're amazing 
which is so scary. And that once he does that, right? once he does that, he is able to, like, put the warring parts of himself together and present himself as a fully, uh, a fully realized human being to her. And that's what the movie... Well, now you're making me wonder if the people who watch Turning Red watched this movie and said, gosh, we can do this better. Well, I mean, Turning Red is fantastic at doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, I mean, this is what, this is what teen werewolf movies are about. Uh, yes. And this, I mean, he's not about a werewolf, puberty. he's technically a were-dog. Uh, but, but that's what it's about. I mean, that's why the metaphor works so well for the teenage boy experience. Right. Mm, you're like, you're like, you're feeling new animalistic urges and you don't feel like that you never experienced before. And you don't understand yourself. You don't understand why you feel what you feel. And turning, turning right. red is a great example to use as a counterpart to this. Uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I mean, I'm obviously turning red is that, but I hadn't thought of connecting it to this material in that way. But you're right. Mm. It does. And it does everything that this movie want should do. This movie doesn't even want to do it, but it should want to do it. <laughs> All right, pitch time. So given this film, the Shaggy DA, the TV movies, the return of the Shaggy Dog, and the 2006 remake with Tim Allen, what in the world are we going to do with this content? I'm going to go first because we've kind of already touched on it. I would remake it. Yes. I would just honestly remake it and put some themes and structure to it. Take out the Cold War stuff and make it more personal more personal and and really solidify who's the protagonist which i think is will be um and and keep it keep it there although you can make wilson a protagonist as we talked about and i think it'd be awesome okay i'm going for a dramatic sequel to this all right not (laughs) the shaggy yay um but since we have established that the magic comes from this ring made by the borgias I want the next phase of Wilby's adventures to be he has traveled back to the Renaissance and is immer- is immersed in this Game of Thrones-like level of politics and scandal and murder and poison Love and it. magic with the Borgias. He's there because his goal is to break this curse and they're the only ones who can do it. But his ability to transform into the dog puts it makes him maybe he's he's got a spy on Lucretia Borgia, uh, like mm-hmm. he's got to go play like like he's constantly transforming back. The peasants when they see him think of him as a werewolf. Uh, when they see him <laughs> in mid transformation, uh, I want I want to do all of that. So we have Game of Thrones, but it's a comedy because instead of yeah. dragons, we've got this shaggy dog in the middle of all of these power plays. I love it. Thank you. Gold star. Fantastic. I would watch that movie. Um, I would write that movie. Okay, so what movie are we tackling next week, Larry? Andy, the whole reason we opened up the year (laughs) 2001 for our podcast was so that we could tackle this movie, one of your all-time favorites, Monsters, Inc., I love Monsters, Inc. I love everything about this world. I know. I think it is perfect world building, and I'll get into more of that next week. Um, Well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and will you share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? 
And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6. Drop us a line in our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. Thank you.